The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace.
Good morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. We want to thank the radio stations that allow us to continue to broadcast the message of salvation by grace alone. We want to welcome you to the program. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. We're located just off of Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Acola. We worship each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And we encourage you to come and visit with us anytime that you can. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. I would love to hear from you if you have the opportunity to reach out. You can write a letter if you choose to, or you can send me an email. It's very easy to communicate that way. My email address is tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. For a number of weeks now, I've been announcing the fact that we have released a new 78-song hymnal called Songs of Zion, and I encourage you to check that out. You can look at the website. You can order those hymnals from there, and they include many hymns that are written by local writers. I think you will enjoy that, and if you say, well, I've never heard this particular hymn before, on our website, we have practice tracks so you can see what the hymns sound like. So I encourage you to check that out. That's sozhymnal.org, sozhymnal.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God. been speaking for a number of weeks about the basics. We want to continue that thought this morning. If you remember, if you've been listening, we started out with the book of Acts, the 20th chapter, where it's very clear 
how the Apostle Paul taught the people that he taught there at the church in Ephesus. Now, it's very important to understand because the Apostle Paul, out of his own mouth, gives the pattern by which he taught them. He says he kept back nothing that was profitable unto them. It says he declared all of the counsel of God to them. He warned them with tears night and day for the space of three years. And also, it says that he showed them all things. So you have the pattern of how the Apostle Paul taught them. And Paul says, I left nothing out. And so sometime later, the Apostle Paul writes back to the church at Ephesus, and that's in the letter to the Ephesians. And you can see exactly all of the counsel of God that he taught them, all of the profitable things that he showed them, all of the teachings that he gave them. In other words, Paul gives you the pattern of how he taught in Acts 20, and he gives you the proof of what he taught in Ephesians, the first chapter, second chapter, and so on. So we don't have to wonder what he taught them. Now, as I've said before, I've met people in my life that have never even heard a gospel message on Ephesians, the first chapter, and that is sad. And we should ask, why have we not heard that? If you've never heard a message on Ephesians, the first chapter, you need to ask your preacher, why have we not heard this message? Why have we not heard the good news, the basics that are contained therein? And the basics are so simple. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about those basics, and they are in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 on down through verse 31. A very familiar verse of Scripture, Romans eight twenty-eight, but very little is known about what surrounds Romans eight twenty-eight in the context of it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, we come to our subject today, the called. We've talked about the first basic, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. And then we talked last week about the second basic, which is predestination, where the Lord in his glory and in his love to have a people with him in heaven before the world was even formed, because he could see down through time what would happen with Adam in the Garden of Eden, that all of mankind would be lost forever and pay for their sins in hell, because the Lord could see that would happen, then he chose a people. He set his love intimately on a specific people that I have said many times is a number that no man can number out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. It is not a small number. The Lord chose that vast number of people, and he set their destination. Those are the first basics of the scripture. The Lord foreknew or chose a people, and he decided that their destination would be heaven. Now, if you understand the very first basic that we talked about, which is total depravity, which means no man would come to him, no man can come to him, no man would even look his way. God saw that, that mankind, without God doing something, they would never look to him. That's a terrible condition. But thanks be to God, the good news, the gospel, which you read in Ephesians 1, which you read right here in Romans 8 and 29, the Lord saw that, and so God made a move. That's the good news. God moved towards man. Man did not move towards God. First John says that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And the first love that was shown to us was before the world was even formed, before we were even in existence. And so the Lord foreknew 
or chose a people, and he said, they will be with me in heaven. They will have my inheritance that I have prepared for them before the world was formed in heaven. And not only that, but I will conform them. I will change their vile human form into something that is glorious to be conformed to the image of my son. Now, for the life of me, there is nothing but good news in that. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be scared of when it comes to God choosing foreknowing and predestinating a people that would never come to him. You see, they'd be lost forever. Now, the idea that there's a little bit of good in every man, that is just not scriptural. There's no good in any man, woman, or child because they have Adam's nature, and until God changes their nature, that's where they will remain. I tell you, with all of the terrible things, school shootings, death, dismemberment, killing, murder, all the things that we see around us today, There is no way that we could conclude that there's a little bit of good in every man. No, there's only bad in man in his nature. But thanks be to God, because of God's basics, because of his purpose, he set something into motion before the world was even formed. He chose a people, and he said their destination will be to be conformed to the image of my son, so they'll they'll be with me in heaven forever. And there's a problem, because when those people come into this world, when they are conceived at conception, they take on the nature of their forefather, who ultimately was Adam. And so that's all they have. They don't have the nature of God. They don't have the spiritual nature. They only have Adam's nature because it's been passed down through the centuries. Now listen, something has to take place with that child of God in their lifetime to give them a different nature, and that is called the new birth. That is called being regenerated by the Spirit of God. It is called a creation within. Now I want us to talk about that basic today. We've talked about the basic of total depravity, that no man will come to God. God saw that, Psalms 14, Romans 3. And then we see that God chose a people very clearly. That's a basic from the Scripture. That's one of the first things that the Apostle Paul taught them. It wasn't just the Jews that were a chosen nation. It was a people out of every nation that was chosen. And then we see how God set their destination after choosing them. He said, you're going to be conformed to the image of my Son, and you're going to be with me in heaven and you're going to inherit what I have prepared for you before the foundation of the world. But you got a problem in this lifetime. When you come into this world, when you're conceived and you come into this world, you have Adam's nature and you've got to be changed. Now, despite what modern religion says, well, you've got to make that change. You've got to change yourself. You've got to do something within, make a choice, make a decision. You see, man is not capable of that. In deadness and sins, you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses and in sins. In his deadness and sins, he can't do that. He can't move towards God. So God moved towards man. Now listen, there is a big difference between God calling a child of God with his voice reaching into their heart and saying, live. There's a big difference between that and what I do Sunday in and Sunday out and Wednesday nights and at other times. I'll call upon God's born-again people to follow him. But that is not the powerful call of the new birth that God does directly to the heart of a child of God. And if we don't make that distinction in the Scripture, you can become very confused. It says in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, Notice in verse 9, God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see how that's all tied together to what God has done in foreknowing and choosing a people, and it says that God will call 
his people sometime in their lifetime with his own voice. This is reflected all throughout the scripture. That is a different call than me getting up Sunday in, Sunday out and saying, come on and follow the Lord. And it is a different call than we read about when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are laboring and are heavy laden. You see, Jesus was not saying, come and get eternal life by being born again, because those that are not born again are not laboring or heavy laden under the weight of their sins. They don't even know that they have sins they need to repent of because they don't have the spiritual nature of God to convict them. You see, the gospel call is something different than the new birth call. God does the new birth call. The gospel call simply calls those that are born again to follow the Lord, just like Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The only ones that are laboring and heavy laden are God's born-again children who have already been called and touched in their hearts. That is so important to see the distinction there. We'd be so confused if we look at the Scripture and think every time the word call is mentioned, it has to do with being born again. No, there's times when the minister calls on God's people, touched by the Spirit, to follow Him. And there's many times, if you'll testify in your own walk, my own walk testifies to this, that we'll drift away, we'll back slide and we need to be called back to service. But you see, the call to service is different than that special one-time call that never fails when God speaks to the heart of a child of God and tells them to live. He says in Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And you'll find that all throughout the scripture, this call is referenced. Now, it is given different descriptions in different places in the scripture. Sometimes it says he calls to the heart of a child of God. He gives them life. Other places it uses a different term, but it's the same thing. And you'll see that it's all of God. So let's consider the different ways in which the new birth is described in the scripture, the call of God upon the heart of his children. Look at John, the fifth chapter and the 25th verse. We have it plainly laid out before us exactly what that call is. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear might live if they answer, or might live if they'll just accept me. No, that's one of those beautiful shalls in the Scripture. He says, when they hear the voice of the Son of God, when the dead hears the voice of the Son of God, they that hear shall live. See, there's no question that this is going to take place because Jesus said, when I speak, when I speak to the heart of a child of God, they will hear. Over in the Psalms, it says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. There's no way to resist this new birth call. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, of course, it's listed as the call. He says, those that are foreknown and predestinated, they also shall be called. Here Jesus says, when the dead hear the voice of the Son of God, they that hear shall live. It's them hearing the voice of the Son of God. The only thing that will make us hear is the voice of God. So you see, we pass from deadness and sins unto life because the voice of the Son of God, not the voice of the preacher and not the voice of the gospel call, but the voice of the Son of God speaks to the heart of the child of God. This is reiterated in John 6 and 39. You see, it's all through the scripture. If we'll just let the scripture say what it says and mean what it says. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. These are Jesus's words. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. 
And we know this is a reference to the call of the Spirit on the heart, because in verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. It's the Spirit that calls to the heart of a child of God. You see, it's compared to a quickening. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, the dead hear. He says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. This is a basic. Something that is dead cannot do anything unless it is made alive. It's described as a quickening. So not only is it described as being called out of deadness into life, but it's described as a quickening where a power outside of the dead thing acts upon it and causes it to live. You can see a comparison to this call of God, to this quickening of God by his own power directly to the child of God. You can see a comparison of that in the experience of Lazarus, where he was dead and in the grave. He was physically dead in the grave for four days, and Martha said he already stinks. And what happened? Did Lazarus raise himself from the physical dead by his own power? No. Jesus spoke. The voice of God spoke and said, Lazarus, come forth. That's a great comparison to the new birth. Jesus himself through the Spirit, speaks to the heart of a child of God and gives them life. It's also described as a creation in Ephesians, the second chapter and the 10th verse. Notice how that is something that you cannot do yourself. You cannot create something. Go out and try it sometimes. Say, well, I'm just going to create something. You say, well, I created a little mud pile. I got this mud together and I created it. No, you didn't create it. You just rearranged the substance that was already there. Put a little water to it to the dirt, and then you mixed it and molded it together, and you said, well, I created a mud pie. No, you didn't. You just took what was there and reshaped it. God is the only one that can create anything. And he says in Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You see, it's described not only as a call, it's described as a quickening, it's also described as a creation. And most importantly, and the most popular description of the new birth, as I've said, is The description of it being a birth, as we read in John, the third chapter, where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And I want you to notice that Nicodemus didn't have a clue about this. He was clueless about the operating of the Spirit in the new birth. John 3, verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. You see, the Lord compares the new birth to the wind, and the wind is sovereign. And think about it now. Did you have anything to do with your birth? You didn't have anything to do with that. You just were delivered one day as I was delivered 46 years ago. I didn't have any power to prevent that or to contribute to that. I just was a recipient of that. And he says, everyone is born again that same way. It's described as a birth. Now think about this carefully. He says it's a call. It's a quickening, it's a creation, and it's a birth. When somebody calls to you, are you making that happen? When an outside source says, hey, come here, or hey, I need you to do this, have you caused that person to speak to you or call to you? And neither do we cause God to call to us because we're dead. What about a quickening? Something that is totally inanimate, void of spiritual life, has no ability to call out or to quicken itself. It has to be acted upon. Or what about a creation? As I've already said, nobody can create anything but God. So how can you within yourself and your deadness spontaneously generate yourself? You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. These things are descriptions of outside sources acting on you and me to cause something to happen. And then there's the birth. In a natural birth, who in the world births themselves? It doesn't work that way. You had to be acted upon 
in order for that birth to occur. It's so clear and so consistent in the scripture that the new birth, the call, the quickening, the creating, the birth, it's all of God. God does that. Now listen very carefully. If that's all I had to share was this is what the scripture says on paper, it's a quickening, it's a creation, it's a birth. That's enough because it's very clear, it's very consistent. There's no place in this where we ourselves do anything. It's all of the Lord. But listen to the beautiful examples in the Scripture that are given of those who are born again. You know, the Scripture will give you a doctrinal principle, and it'll always give you at least one example. Well, I'm thankful to tell you that with a new birth here, we have multiple examples. So let's try it out. The calling, the quickening of the Holy Spirit the new birth of the Holy Spirit, the creating of the Holy Spirit. Let's try it out on an infant. In Luke, the first chapter, we read about a baby who was born again in the womb before his mother even birthed him into the world. That's John the Baptist. And then also in the Old Testament, we read about a toddler, just a little, maybe two-year-old, maybe less than that, David. It says he was made to hope while he was being held in his mother's arms. He was born again as just a little toddler. And then we read about a man named the Apostle Paul, who at that time was known as Saul of Tarsus, in the prime of his life, going to kill Christians. And the Lord arrested him. The Lord stopped him in his tracks on the road to Damascus. And I'm happy to tell you that he didn't ask permission to do something to Paul. No, he knocked him down, entered his heart, and gave his heart spiritual life. And then we read about a thief on the cross who was cursing Jesus one minute, and the next thing you know, he turns around, and he's praising the name of the Son of God. What happened to all these people? What happened to that baby in the womb? What happened to that toddler, David? What happened to that man in the prime of his life who was looking to kill Christians? And what happened to that man, that thief who lived his life in shame, living it his own way, and there in the last few minutes of his life, a change came upon him. Did he spontaneously combust into spiritual life? Did he choose and say, well, I think I'll make myself different? No, all of these were dead in sins. And guess what happened? The Lord's sovereign grace and mercy reached down and quickened that baby, John the Baptist, in the womb. The Lord reached down and created something in the heart of the toddler David that wasn't there before. The Lord reached down and called to the heart of the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul of Tarsus at that time, and gave him spiritual life. And the Lord reached down to that wicked thief and placed his love in his heart by God's choice and by God's doing. And we can conclude All of these were born again the same way by the sovereign act of God. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Oh, child of God, if you have spiritual life this morning, it's because God has given it to you. If you have love for the Lord this morning, it's because he loved you first. These are the basics. May we praise him for reaching down into our dead hearts at some time in our life, causing us to love him, causing us to draw to him, causing us to be his children. If it were not for that, we would have no hope. We would have no future. But thanks be to God, because of what he has done, we have a great future in heaven, looking to inhabit those mansions prepared before the foundation of the world and will be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. And in this lifetime... He has given us spiritual life by his sovereign and merciful act. May the Lord be praised for his grace and his mercy in the new birth. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here.
You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located 7 miles east of Gordo and 10 miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.